Thank you, Adam and Kate, for joining us today and helping lead worship. As, you, as many of you know, the choir and orchestra is off during the summer, during July anyway. They have a few weeks break. And Dr. Scott actually left on vacation today, so he'll be out for a little while. So we thank them for, for filling in and serving us so well today. And you know Florida is blessed by their being there, as we've been blessed by them. They were with us for a few years, so we're grateful for that. Uh, many know, and if you don't, uh, we had what we call a grandkid uh, camp this last week. We had seven of our nine grandkids with us for a week. Uh, two of them, one was in a, a mission trip in Chicago. The other one was in a mission trip here at our church with us. So we had seven. Uh, four of them just left a third grade. The oldest is 10, the youngest is two. People have asked me what it was like when you think about uh, Hawaiian Falls for a day, Perot Museum for a day, the zoo, very hot that day at the zoo, uh, Dallas Aquarium. We did lots of things every day uh, to have what we call, again, grandkid camp. So again, people ask me, what, what was it like? I'm going to show you a picture to show you what it was like. There it is. <laughs> and uh, that was the end of the first day. That wasn't the last day. That was how it began. And uh, one, one, one lovely relative decided they needed to post that on Facebook. So that's why I have access to that. Uh, you can take that off now. <laughs> Ever feel like that? I bet you have. Uh, we're in a message series on the Bible book of Habakkuk. Uh, it's kind of, if you don't know where it is, it's right by Nahum and Zephaniah. Does that help at all? Maybe, maybe it doesn't. Uh, but it's Habakkuk. And I, I really love the three chapters of this book. What it tells us, that God speaking to us inspirationally of what truth really is for us to understand it. So it's a really important Bible book, those three chapters. But I want to review it for you a little bit. We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it the next three Sundays as well. But uh, Habakkuk is a prophet. He's speaking to a people in a very difficult time. What we are doing in these three chapters is looking over his shoulder as he prays to God, records that prayer as he has this interaction with God about what's going on in the world he lives in. And his world is being turned upside down. He refers in the, in the book about uh, the people of his world that are supposed to be very godly. It's after all Israel. It's Jerusalem and Judea. He talks about how unjust they are, how sinful they are, and how far they have fallen from God's plan for them. He talks about that. He talks about, again, the lack of justice and how unfair circumstances are in his life. He refers to enemies who are coming against him and are about to come some more, and they're right at the gates going to destroy Jerusalem and Judea and his land. And that's going to happen very shortly. So that's how he refers to the world he lives in. And he, and he talks about this, and it sounds very depressing, and, and he's very honest with God as he shares this time, the unfair, unjust, sinful desperate situation of his people five or so centuries before Jesus Christ is born. A very difficult time. So Habakkuk is simply ha asking, why? And we sometimes ask why when things don't go well. He's asking what? <laughs> what is really going on in my world? I, I don't understand the what of this desperate, awful season of sin and death and damage and, and everything seems so unfair, it's upside down. And of course, when? When? In fact, last week I began with a verse, verse of Habakkuk, which is how long? That's how his prayer begins. How long before it gets better? 
How long is it going to be like this? How long is it going to be so difficult? Well, the answer is the rest of his life. Because it never gets better in his lifetime. So please hear that. There's a song that you may be somewhat familiar with. Uh, I hear it sometime in, in comedy situations where we'll be on a television show and somebody's having a bad season and they sing that song sitting in a jail cell or something like that. But the song has, has been recorded by people like Louis Armstrong, Lena Horne, Sam Cooke. Some might recognize these names, some might not, but they're really famous uh, jazz singers, many of them. Uh, and, and the song was actually recorded or, or put out the first time and written where people could actually, uh, when it was publicized, was in 1867 after the Civil War when slavery had been ended. But the song was part of the season of slavery in this country where slaves would often share their story in music of what was terribly desperate times. They'd be born into slavery, they would die in it. Be born to work in the fields, they would often die in those fields. How do you reflect that as someone who believes in Jesus as so many American slaves did? Well, they wrote songs and shared their faith this way. This song you probably heard again. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You heard it? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Lately, those words were changed. Nobody knows but Jesus they're interchangeable, really. Again, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows but Jesus. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Glory, hallelujah, which means praise God. It means thank you, Jesus. It means I love you anyway, God, despite the trouble that I'm in. There are many other words to that song you probably haven't heard. Words like this, sometime I'm up, sometimes I'm down. Oh, yes, Lord. Sometime I'm almost to the ground. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Nobody knows but Jesus. Those songs reflect really pretty much what Habakkuk is saying in three chapters different language, a different season, a different time, but still the why and the what and the where and calling upon God in that season as so many of those old spirituals do just exactly that, looking at the world they live in. And today, Faith in Hard Times is a series title, Habakkuk, and the faith life is today. Last week was how long, and the first thing I want to look at is this phrase, the book of Habakkuk reflects real life and a real world with a real God. It's exactly what's happening here. You know, we don't always want to do that. We want to find someone who will tell us something different. We don't always like the truth of our own reality or the reality of our world. But hear me, you know it already. This world is consumed by sinful things around us and in us. It's part of how we're wired and the world we are wired is about. We see it here all the time. Consumed by mortality, certainly. Those we love die and will die one day. And what goes with that is also part of our journey. It's, who, it's our reality. We can't avoid that. We can't ignore that. We can't say it's not there. Let's be honest about it. Life can be really hard. I sin, others sin, it hurts. And death hurts even more. But we have a real God we turn to, we look to as our God, the Creator. And Habakkuk is doing that by getting on his knees, looking over his shoulder, and he says, How long, O Lord? 
And today he begins to process where God might take him in this prayer, what the future might or might not look like, which leads to the second phrase I want you to look at. I may have to watch for an indefinite time for an answer. These are often the four verses that were read today, and so get that with me. These are, these are God's word to us today. I may have to watch for an indefinite time for an answer. He talks about a watch, actually being on a watch. I'm not sure how many have ever had a watch or been on a watch. But in the military, you've been on a watch because everybody in the military is on a watch somewhere, whatever branch you are in. Uh, I had many watches when I was in the Navy, uh, sometime out watching aircraft, sometime in an office, sometime standing in front of a building. I had these watches, and the worst watch was the night watch. At least I always thought that. Uh, often it begins when it gets dark, and it ends typically when the sun comes up. That's a night watch. Uh, now, when I'm trying to sleep at night and go to bed at night and go to sleep, the sun comes up way too early sometimes. I'm not ready for it to come up. You know, give me 30 more minutes, you know, of sleep maybe. Uh, when I was a teenager, it was surely that way. Give me some more sleep. But, but on a night watch, it's not how you think at all. You, th- you think that sun is never going to come up. It is never going to come up. I'm going to be walking around this watch for the rest of my life. It's never going to end. That's what a watch is like. And so he refers to a watch. And in those days, they'd be watching maybe the city gate. They might be watching sheep in a field. But watching was a constant occurrence for them in different ways that they would do that. And so he's saying there's a watch, and we have to watch for an indefinite time. There's no particular, and we don't like being, we want to be told, here is the moment it ends and gets better. Here is when the healing comes, the grief stops, the job situation is handled, the world becomes perfect. Here is when it's going to happen. And Habakkuk is being told, ain't going to happen in your lifetime, Habakkuk. Not in your lifetime. That's what indefinite means, but we don't like that, but it's the truth, and that's what God works in in that truth that we're looking at today in the second Second series of Habakkuk. Well, the third uh, phrase I want to look at is God does have a vision for the future, but it is a God appointed time. <laughs> Leans itself to the, the second thing, but I want to add this that, that uh, you know, it's hot. You recognize that. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, I just saw on the weather report, I think we got like maybe eight or 10, 100 degree, degree days in a row. I think Wednesday, maybe it might be not get above 99 is what I saw earlier this morning. So we got the hot time uh, in, our, in our Texas time. At 8.15, someone told me, it's Texas. It gets hot in July. Yep, I get it. You know, it's hot. Uh, but if you went home today, probably around 12, if you went out to lunch, you might be home a little bit later than that, and you found out that this morning when you left, the air conditioning broke. You got home, no air conditioning what would you be consumed by? You may have other issues in your life. I need to pay bills today. I need to take care of my yard. I, I've got to, I'm worried about going to the doctor on Friday. I've got some financial stuff I've got to take care of. I mean, you may have other concerns in your life. Everybody has lots of concerns, right? We can list what they are. But right then, none of the rest of the things would matter probably very much. Who cares about the rest? 
I don't care what else is going on. I'm now consumed by this immediate thing that I am concerned about, which is it's hot in my house. When is the air conditioning repair person going to come and fix it? And they come on Tuesday. Well, good grief. I find somebody can come sooner. I don't care who it is, how much I got to pay them. It's hot. That's how we think. That's how we feel. We're very immediate. And, and, and to have Habakkuk be told the reality, he would never be able to comprehend, which was, you know, Habakkuk in five centuries, 500 years, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. And your season of being taken into captivity, Judea and Jerusalem being destroyed, what your people are going to learn, the return in 70 years to rebuild the city, which is going to happen, the rebuild the wall and the temple is going to allow this moment to happen. Five centuries from now, you know, I'm sure Habakkuk would say, hey, I want the air conditioning fixed. I'll worry about that or I'll let you worry about that. God's perspective is different than ours. God is about the work of saving your soul and mine. He's about eternal life. He's about redeeming us from the sin and death I referred to earlier that so often marks our experience and our existence in the world we live in. The song that, we, that was sung a moment ago is, Well With My Soul, I love that song. Yet we often look at the world this way, I'll have peace when the world is well. I want everything in my life to be well. When it is well, I'll have peace. I want something to be done with the Middle Eastern stuff. I want Greece's issues to be solved. You know, I want the rain in July. I don't want so much in the spring this year, probably uniquely that. We have things that we, when all that's okay, when it's all fixed, when it's all repaired, when it's all right, when I have nothing to worry about in my world, then I'll have peace when this book of the Bible and that song is saying, no, it's about having peace things well with my soul. That's where we find peace because we'll wait for the world to be okay. That's never going to happen. And if it was, sin and death still is there. So we're looking for God to give us wellness in our soul, which is what God's interested in and concerned about. Well, number four, the fourth uh, point, the vision God has for the future may or not be the one we want. It may or may not be the one we want. And this is hard for us because we, li we live in a very outcome-directed world. We have outcomes for everything. We have a particular outcome we expect or want or look for. If you're a cowboy fan, you want them to win. If you're a ranger fan, you want them to win. You know, it's an outcome we want. We want to have uh, our jobs go a certain way, Want the doctor's appointment to say, hey, it's a good report this year, good report this day, or good report on this or that. Or the. We want that too. Uh, if you care about retirement one day, you worry about what the stock market is. Well, they're saying good things, now it's going up. Or what's it with this oil prices? I don't get that. You know, we all have something that we're interested in, that we have an outcome that we have defined that we really want to have happen. Some want the oil to go up, some want it to go down. It's the way we are, but we're about well, the vision God has for our future, it wasn't the one that Habakkuk wanted. Because at the, city, at the gates of Jerusalem and Judea, there was an army called the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and they'd already destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. 
They had already taken them into captivity, ten of the tribes of Israel, and now the last three were about to be taken into captivity. And it was coming, and they knew it couldn't be stopped. They're on the rise, and they could see the armies. They knew the stories. They saw the evidence, and it was coming to them. It wasn't the outcome they wanted to take place. Yet here, what does God say? What does Habakkuk say? Well, it's the fifth point. The righteous values living by faith in God and faithfulness to God. So that's what the, the, ver, the verse 4 of chapter 2 says. That, but the righteous just live by faith and faithfulness, which is interchangeable in this text. The righteous live by being faithful to God, whatever the circumstances, by faith in God, whatever the situation. That's where we interact with God at that place, not just in the benefit God gives us, but in the faith we place in God. Habakkuk speaks of that, and that's where life turns. It turns on that place, God, I trust you. Now I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to show you a picture, uh, a black and white picture. I've been around for a while. Picture of, of uh, yeah, that's my, my, my sister. Many don't know, know my brother and I have an identical twin brother. We have two younger sisters. One's name is Julie, one is April. This is April when she was, as you can see, a baby. Uh, and this is my father, Ernest, who died a few years ago. We missed my dad. Uh, and there's April. Now, April, there's four siblings in my family. April was a, is the smartest of the four of us. She's one of those you have, every family has one, I guess, that gets all the straight A's. Has to be perfect, do everything right, follows all the rules. That's the way April was uh, growing up in, in my house, uh, in, in school, uh, in, in college, in her master's degree program as an educator for many, many years, a teacher. That's how April has always been. The rest of us just say, well, you know, we're not quite in that same category, but that, that's my sister. So you know the picture of April. This is April when she was a teenager, uh, and this is my, also my younger sister, who's eight or nine years younger than my brother and I, uh, and that's her name is Julie on the right. She didn't like that picture, but what, is, what she doesn't know doesn't hurt her. She's not watching today. <laughs> now, April probably is. Hi, April. She's probably watching today. I, I asked permission to tell her story. I said, April, I don't want to tell your story without you knowing it, so she's probably there, uh, uh, sitting there uh, watching us today in her home, so I hope that she is. If not, she'll watch a little bit later. Uh, and I'm show you some more pictures in regard to April. Next picture here. One more, please. Those are her dogs. If she's there in the house watching, her dogs are probably on the floor or on her couch next to her or on her lap. Uh, these are Border Collies. They think they're lap dogs. One, one's name is Ketchum. I don't know the other's name. I probably, shouldn't, I probably should know that. I don't. We, we've met the dogs. They're very, very lovely, uh, bouncy. Sit on your lap dogs, and they want to chase things. Uh, that's April's dogs. Uh, they, she loves her dogs. And the next picture. These are her two granddaughters, which are very special to her, as you might imagine. All our grandchildren are. Now, April uh, lives uh, in Hutto, Texas, just north of Austin. Has lived there for a number of years. Again, the smartest of the siblings. But some years ago, she was teaching school and living in San Angelo, Texas with her husband. Uh, and her kids had finally left home. Things were going really, really well. Uh, April was one of these that would go to the gym every day. She's a gym rat, just perfect shape physical shape, uh, just perfectly taking care of herself that way. And so she went to the gym a lot. Uh, she loved riding on the back of her husband's Harley-Davidson motorcycle. He had two. They did all kind of road trips together. They enjoyed that a great deal. Uh, and somewhere, and she loved teaching school. She was an educator there in San Angelo uh, with her master's degree and enjoyed that part of her life success. And she began to grow ill. 
Didn't know what it was at first. Uh, I'm trying to explain the story as best I can. But, uh, she began to get more and more fatigued. Also had some, some uh, experience with pain. Uh, they got worse and worse and worse and worse. Went to doctors, everywhere you can find a doctor. What's wrong? Why is this happening? And there's a long name to the disease I can't pronounce, but it's finally diagnosed. But nonetheless, uh, she went from all that great life to where she on a cane today and can barely leave her home if she can leave it at all. So exhaustion is really her journey along with the pain that goes with that. So she's pretty much homebound, uh, can't leave her house, now is on disability. Uh, probably the worst part about this is when she got, as she got sicker and sicker, husband said, I don't want to have anything to do with a sick wife, and I don't want to do it. So he left. So she's now living alone without, without uh, God, mercy on, have God have mercy on that husband, you know, but that's what he chose to do. She's by herself in that time. Uh, and that's her story. Now, now, how do you respond to that? Because I said April, was the, she's the good one, you know. <laughs> she was the good one, you know. Uh, she was the one with the A's and went to church, you know. She, my brother and I talk about the day we got saved and our life, where Christ changed our life because of how bad our life had been. She never had that time. She said, I've always known Jesus. I've always been a Christian. I can't remember a time that he wasn't in my life, you know. That's how she tells her story. Now, I'm going to show you uh, some of the things she posts on Facebook. And because she's uh, homebound, Facebook is how she connects with all of her family, her kids, nephews, nieces, friends, great place for her. And so here, let me put the first picture up there. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, his love endures forever. You know, she could have put on there, life stinks. She could put on there, today I can't even function. She could put on there, life is not fair, it's unjust. How did it happen like this? I can't believe it. She could say how long, why, where, what, all the things Habakkuk talks about. But she simply puts, give thanks to God. Secondly, another picture. Be joyful for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Love that verse uh, of the Bible in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my strength, you know, in this situation. A third picture. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. And there's a Psalm 62 that speaks to that. These are things she puts on there. Now, we talked about me talking about her today and got her permission. Sent me a text uh, some hours after our phone conversation and said, Mike, I know you won't do this, but don't portray me as strong and amazing because I am not strong and amazing. So many people, though, many people tell me that. And I responded to that text saying, nobody is strong and amazing. And she says, it's God who helps me do what I do or I could never, never do it. Couldn't ever live the life I lived disability in her small home. Can barely leave the house. And when she does, it takes a week to recover. Uh, that to go take a shower, it takes the rest of the day to recover if a day is enough. She makes herself supper and she's got to go to bed to recover from that. Sitting upright is great success for, for April uh, as we share uh, in, in life to, together with her. Don't portray me as strong and amazing because I'm not, even though people keep telling me that. And I said, nobody's strong and amazing. And then she told me this, which I thought I had not heard her in a conversation talk about it this way. She said, you know, this season of my life is really my best season. I'm paraphrasing what she told me because through this whole time, 
I connected with God in a way I really never had fully before. And she's always connected with God, but she's grown deeper in that faith. And I love that part of my life now. I love that place in where I am in my journey. And I wouldn't take for that. You know, are you with me on Habakkuk? Faith in hard times and the faith life. It's a reinterpretation of our life and how we live and what we're about. We often get lost in things that don't matter and miss the things that really do. You see in her picture what they are. Her dogs. She loves those border collies. Her grandkids and the two children who live close to her, who moved to be close to her, and those kids, and her God. Just her God that day by day she walks with and calls upon, gives her strength, touches her heart, and she grows to love more and more all the time as God loves her. Not because she's amazing, because she knows how much she needs God. And we often forget how much we need God, and we miss it. So Habakkuk teaches us that in a way we need to learn. Because it's Bible. It's God's Word. It's God's truth. David's been thinking, Pastor David's been theming his sermons around this idea. He said that you may not need this today, but you're going to need it one of these days. You may not need it right now, but you'll, you will need this one day. But chances are most of you need it now. Most of you someplace like that right now in your life. You know? and, and to turn that direction is a marvelous way to turn. And what does Habakkuk say? He says, well, those who are righteous, meaning those that are just, live by their faith in God's faithfulness. That's the journey that they take. In a time and a season where we keep waiting for the world to get well so we'll have peace, we're going to wait a long time. But if peace is because it's well with our soul, God can do that for you right now. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, holy God. And God, we do sometimes think why or we think when. It's part of who we are, God, you know that. But now we come to you not asking that. We come, God, inviting you to live in our hearts, to fill our lives with your Holy Spirit, touch our souls with the good, life-saving, soul-saving work of Jesus Christ, and live in your joy and your presence and in a holy relationship with you, however dark things might be, and there find the joy of life that really matters. Help us understand that, God. Learn that, experience that, share that, and live that. So I pray in Jesus' name, amen.